0: And Nathan, I appreciate your time because we're going to be talking all things wholesaling. So if you're getting into real estate investing, especially for those first timers, this is the first place people seem to land. But before we get into it, I'm going to direct everybody to Nathan's website because Nathan has a podcast and a YouTube channel and a bunch of other resources for you. So head over to InvestorThrive.com, which is a fantastic domain name. <laughs> and. I got to also say you have one of the best brandings when it comes to your wholesaling program, because it's called the painless wholesaler (laughs) or some painless wholesaling. Yeah.
1: Painless wholesaling. That's right.
0: Yeah. So first of all, how did you luck out and find investor thrive.com?
1: I there's in this space of wholesaling, there's been a lot of investor fuse, investor lift investor, many different ones that do like CRMs, different software. So I was like, Man, I got to find something that has to do with investors. So I just went through my brain, racked my brain for good ideas like investor REI, investor help. I, and I found Investor Thrive and I was so lucky that it was available. It was like, I can't remember, like $10 or something like that. Huh, that's yeah, great. It was, it was nice.
0: Yeah. That's pretty rare, but it does happen on occasion.
1: Yeah. Luck, luckily, luckily, I love your domain too. I think it's awesome.
0: Yeah, that was kind of lucky. That was available as well. I've been surprised. I've picked up quite a few domains like that. But So Nathan, I told you that we were going to do a quick summary of your background and how you got into this real estate investing game, because I know you came from the sales world. So That's I'll be cool. interested to hear like some of the strategies and tactics you brought forward into the real estate in- investing game.
1: Yeah. So the main tactic that I took into the real brought from me from the sales world was just not taking no or not being worried if someone said no or taking that personally. Right. Because I started out cold calling. So there was a lot of no. And Mm -hmm. I just because I did door to door sales for six years before I got into real estate, investing, wholesaling. Then I got a lot of no's then. I went on a mission for my church for two years when I was 19 to 21. I got a lot of no's then as well. So I was just ready. When I came in to just take a lot of people not being interested in it, it's wholesaling, right? You're making offers that are less than market value. You're going to get a lot of no's. So I was okay with that. But a lot of what I learned doing door-to-door sales did not really translate in sales skills because in door-to-door, you have to, you knock on someone's door, you have to close them pretty much there and then for you to get paid. So in in real estate, you can't really close someone there and then. That same day, because there's a 30-day process, right? Depending on how long it takes. So a lot of the tactics I learned were bad sales tactics that I thought I was an amazing salesman. I was just good at having conversations, but my sales skills were not what it needed to be, what they are now when I got into real estate investing.
0: What strategies did you use or did you seek out a mentor yourself to hone those sales skills when it comes to wholesale?
1: Yes. Yes. So when I first started, I've been in the game for about five years. I I struggled getting deals in the beginning because I thought it was make an offer, convince the seller that your offer is the best option, just convince them and then try and get a contract. And that was not working when I first started. So I went out and got John Martinez sales training. I don't know if you've heard of John Martinez, but
0: John has been on my show multiple times.
1: There you go. John Martinez. So that was, he's great. He is. Yeah. Awesome guy. So I did that, took his whole training. And then we I did Franklin Covey sales training, which is amazing. And I started learning that in this approach of being a better salesman, you're not really convincing anyone to do anything. You're presenting options like spin selling. If you've read that book, it's mm-hmm. present options. You find out if there's problems and you present solutions. And that's how you really sell effectively. You don't really sell or, or force people to do something by convincing them. It's more of, it's their own decision. You just help them back up into their, if it makes sense for them. So that's what I've transitioned to. And it's really helped me. And I enjoy the job a lot more because when a seller signs with me, it's not like I, I'm worried that the co- it's not going to go through. They've agreed, we're good.
0: Yeah, it's a—it's amazing how that works, right? And I can't stress that enough. It was a game changer when we moved for that to that model as well. Of course. You're not there to convince. And as soon as you start convincing people, you've lost the game. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So based on that experience now, how are you doing? Like you said, you've been doing this for five years. You're training mm-hmm. people yourself now. Right. That's correct. And I would imagine that it you, the volume has picked up quite a bit since those first few, Yeah, the first year.
1: It's been interesting. I'm very transparent with people. The market right now it's caused me to have to shift my business. I used to have a large wholesaling business that had multiple acquisition reps, leads managers, dispositions, like the wholesaling model of bringing in leads, getting them under contract, and then selling them or assigning them to end buyers for a fee. But right now, because the market shifted, I've trimmed my team down all, all to the point where it's just me and a couple of VAs, and we look for deals on the MLS. We spend no money on little to no money on marketing, and. You know, if I get a deal instead of having to pay a whole team out and then making the profit that's left over, I make 99% of the profit because my VAs are very inexpensive when it comes to getting deals. So I like that model. It's more of a lifestyle change. The lifestyle I had when I was running the team, it wasn't something that I really enjoyed, but I enjoy what I do now and I coach too. So I'm able to really do both and that's, it's Mm -hmm. working well for me.
0: Do you have... To talk about your VAs, did you mm-hmm. go to a service that specialized in real estate? Did you train them up yourself? What was what did that look like?
1: Very good questions. I when I first started getting VAs, I would find ones that were specialized, and they even worked for John Martinez back in the day as snipers. They called them the sales snipers. They were from his cold calling business. So I would find ones that I could pay like really low because I was trying to save money. So I'd be paying people like two, three, four dollars, and I love the people I work with, but the talent, the capacity, of what they were able to do was not as much as I guess I needed at the time or what I believe I what like, was going to push us forward. So I eventually started finding higher, like VAs that would only accept higher amounts of money, right? Like in the Philippines, they would only work for six, seven, eight bucks. And I started working with them. And the what they were able to do was just way, way more. They were just able to take on way bigger tasks. They're very eloquent. They had great accents and very smart and not downplaying what other people have, but it was just a different tier level, right? Mm-hmm. And that's I've been able to find those and they also know other VAs that are like them that want that pay and they won't settle for less. And that's who I find. And I either they have the skill set or I train them. But I'm willing to put in the time and effort because they're very good. They're very smart. And that's what I want.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting because a lot of the people I've run into so far that use VAs, they don't take that approach. Do you find that they are a bit more sticky because you've built that relationship and trained them yourself?
1: Yeah. I love my VAs. I think they're the best. I tell them they're awesome. I was actually talking to one of my VAs earlier and she asked me for some help on something. And I told her, of course, yeah, you're awesome. And she started crying. Like this is a family for me. And I treat them as employees. They are employees. They're not just someone you you talk to, in my opinion, like once oh, a month or once a week and you just give them tasks. I actually, I talk to them every day. We have meetings. They're employees and they're fun. to. They're fun. They have great attitudes. They're working it what, 12 at midnight to five in the morning, and they're just always happy. I love working with them because they're just great to be around. So do you
0: focus on particular parts of the country or are you uh, nationwide?
1: I was nationwide for the last two years, but because of the market shift, I've gone to what I call painless wholesaling, which is reverse wholesaling, where you focus on one market and you specifically find buyers in that area that you know and you're tight with, right? and you say, hey, what do you want? Let me go find it for you. So I've moved from a nationwide model to one market and specifically finding them deals that they want. And But because of the coaching that I have in the platform, I do get deals sent to me from all over. And because I have that skill set, I do help people find buyers all over. So that's a, not a very clear answer. I focus on one market, but sometimes I get other deals and I help people find buyers.
0: Yeah. No, that makes sense. It would make makes perfect sense that you would be sourcing from all over, especially with your student base. Yes, of course. So with that, you have a fairly popular YouTube channel and podcast yourself. Thank you. Where do you, how's, how's that working out for you regarding sourcing your students?
1: Yeah, I've had to learn from Tom Kroll and Brent Daniels and Jerry Norton, a bunch of these great guys. And what I'm learning is, Information is everywhere. So you might as well, in my that the way I'm doing it is just give it all out, you know, teach it, teach everything, give it, give as much as you can. And then the people who see that, you know, the value, or if they see that they even like you, right? If they're like, hey, I vibe with that guy, they'll reach out. So that's what I'm doing is let me give it all out. If you want to learn how to wholesale, I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it. But if you need a little bit more help, let's work together. But that's how my philosophy is.
0: Yeah. More times than not, the most successful gurus if you will mm. instructors or mentors it's more of a an accountability checkpoint than anything else so you just need that motivation and somebody to prod you along a little bit especially
1: when you first start out yeah exactly like today one of my one of I don't even like to call them students someone in my program they called me and they said they just asked me hey I have a deal can you help me just make sure run the numbers and I said yeah sure I ran the numbers and he was off and he was just so grateful that I was able to do that. It took me five minutes. No big deal. So that's what I agree with you. They want the accountability, the help, the the education, the videos that that, who cares about all that stuff, in my opinion, because I have thousands of videos. I can't even watch them all.
0: Let's give some people some direct advice as to what they should do. They're coming to real estate investing for that first time. They've been Mm -hmm. told that they can get rich quick in wholesaling. But where do they start? Give them their first step.
1: I think the first step now with the way the market has shifted over the last two years, you could find a deal and then find a buyer pretty easily because it was the inventory was low. Right. But now shifting where inventory is going to increase and the buyers are going to become more scarce because less people are willing to buy. Right. They don't want to take the risk. So what I teach people and I tell people in my program is find the buyers first, find 10 to 15 solid buyers who aren't worried about the market who have cash that they build up for this moment and find out what they want and go get it for them so that's the first thing focus on what the buyers want because i learned that way i learned to just go get deals and the problem with that is it's very painful again it's painful because <laughs> you'll get a deal and you'll think it makes sense but you just didn't know that street is not as good as the street that you comped all your other surrounding deals so you just spent a th- you just spent 30 days talking to Eileen, the grandma, trying to network negotiate a deal. And you finally get it. And then you find out you're wrong, you're off. And, you know, it's a pain, it's a very painful process to do that. So you can avoid all that by having relationships and just saying, Hey, Mr. Buyer, I'm talking to Eileen. She's wanting this. Is that something that would even work for you if I can get it? And then they're like, Yeah, then your deal's already sold without even having to get under contract.
0: I am so happy you said that because I am frankly tired of hearing people say, find the deal and the money will come.
1: Yeah, I'm, I understand why people say that. But the problem is a lot of the wholesalers don't know what a deal is. So they'll, (laughs) they won't find a deal. They'll find a very bad deal, tie up the seller, waste their time, waste the seller's time. I would understand that if they could find something that was 30% of the ARV. Yes. If you can find that, then don't worry about the money will come if you find a great deal, but they don't, they don't do that. Yeah.
0: And I I can't stress enough either regarding finding those buyers. In fact, I've pushed the concept that you probably should put as much time into finding all of your buyers as you are your sellers.
1: I, I agree because this is the thing. Like if you just focus on sellers and you don't really know the process or the buyers, you're gonna waste a lot of money, and I did it when I first started. I was like, "Oh, this is the way." I put about ten to fifteen thousand dollars in mailers in Utah, got like twenty calls, and I was out fifteen k. I didn't get a deal, so if I wasn't resilient, I would be done for it.
0: So you have two VAs working for you, and you find majority of your deals on Zillow and other online sources now.
1: MLS, so the M like a list like from agents networking oh, okay. with agents. So for sale by owner, I don't, I'm doing a deal right now with some of my students that found a deal for sale by owner. So I don't do that as much. It's mainly MLS and I look at other wholesalers deals. So I let the wholesalers in Utah do the work. They go ahead and go find the buyers. I will get their emails. And then if anything looks attractive to me and that I know that my buyer wants, I'll just call the wholesaler and try and negotiate my fee in between. And it takes a couple calls. It's I'm not out there grinding, trying to talk sellers. Now, that's not all I do. I still get leads from like HomeLite. I get leads from other sources and from my students. So I still do the outreach, but I prefer to not have to do that if I don't have to. Yeah. Just to remind everybody,
0: head over to Investorthrive.com to learn more about Nathan and his team. So one of the things that you have brought up a few times here now is regarding Finding those different those neighborhoods and what the seller or what the buyer is looking for, right? And I get this question a lot, and I'm sure you do as well. Give us a script. What do you say to somebody when they pick up that phone and you're
1: introducing yourself for that first time Um, to the buyer? Is that right? To the buyer, yeah. So that's a great question. And if anybody's interested, I have a mind map that's on my website that lays out the whole process on reverse painless wholesaling from step one to ten. And it goes in depth on all that. So that question, very question you asked me is step four of the process. And that's what is, how do you find the buy box to the criteria of the buyer? And I have in the mind map, a script, a video of me asking a buyer, because I like to just answer all these things in there. So people, if they have questions, they can go. But the script was, is pretty much, Hey, my name's Nathan. I see that you're an active buyer. I, I know the market has shifted a little bit. Are you still buying? And if they say yes, they're still buying. I'm going to be like, great. Find deals. That's what I do is I look. I either find them on the MLS or I find them through off-market means. If I can bring you something, are you ready to buy it right now? Or are you busy with other projects? They tell you, okay, I'm good. I'm, I can buy it right now. I say, okay, great. So I don't want to waste your time and bring you stuff you don't want to buy. What are you looking for? What's the price range? What area? Is there a certain amount of beds and baths? So you really just get their buyer buy box criteria and now when you see things on the mls or from other wholesalers or even for you to go market you you know what they'll already buy and if you bring it to them they're they're pretty happy about it
0: are you keeping track of all of these points then in a crm and what are
1: you using to keep track of it all yeah so i use uh, what's called google form this is super easy. My, I just On your drive, everybody's got a drive on if they have a Gmail. You just go to Google mm-hmm. Form. You type out all the questions that you want on a form. You send it to your buyers. As I'm talking to them on the phone, I'm just like, hey, you know what? Just I know we've talked about this a little bit, but I'm going to send you a form just so if you can fill it out, go directly to my spreadsheet so I can call you if I find something. And then with Google Form, you it links to a spreadsheet and you can just see all the points that they filled out there. So my VA is when we're looking at something. If it looks like a good deal, I say, hey, AJ, who do we have on here that would be interested in this deal in Lehigh, for example? He says, Leland looks like he might be interested. So I said, reach, reach out to Leland as me through my Google voice number. And if it goes anywhere, I'll call him.
0: That's interesting because one of the strategies I've seen too is more times than not, a lot of wholesalers will just accumulate as many names of buyers as they possibly can. And there's, it's a shotgun effect. Blast yeah. it out to everybody and hope for the best.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you. I know exactly. I did that. When I went nationwide over the last two years, that was the plan. It says, get as many buyers as you can and then light them up with your deals. That's not going to work anymore, in my opinion. So
0: you talk about buying properties from for sale by owners. How is that a good chunk of what you buy? Because frankly, I've attempted to do that and I have yet to pull that off.
1: No, it's not a big chunk. The reason why I brought that up is one of the students that I'm working with, we're we're doing a deal in Columbia, South Carolina that he found for sale by owner for 330 and the ARV is 330, but he locked it up about 50K less. And we know that 50K doesn't really get anything done. So Mm -hmm. I looked at it. I said, hey, I brought this pass by one of my buyers that I know out there. They need it at 185. So good luck. That's why I was like, good luck, go get it. So he came back to me and he said, All right, they accepted 185. Wow. (laughs) So they, I think what's going on is a lot of these sellers, they shoot for the moon and they're like, We ain't getting any interest. We're going to, we'll just take it. When it didn't work in the past, I agree with you. I've done a lot of for sale owners, it doesn't work. I think right now we're coming to a time where people are pretty motivated. So if you can give them a solid offer, they'll probably take it.
0: Yeah. I've just, I've even, stopped approaching for sale by owners because they've just been a waste of time. They're just sh- like you, every single one of them, they're not even, they're reluctant to even pay for a realtor. So it's.
1: <laughs> this was an interesting situation. So this one for sale by owner, this one was from, it's a probate situation that this family, they have an a, a attorney they've hired to help them go through the process, but they just didn't list it. They just put it for sale by owner, probably trying to make as much as they could. And then they realized they couldn't. Make that much.
0: You've brought up the economy a couple times. What do you foresee? What are some of the things you're telling your your you don't like calling them students, but your members. Let's call let members, yeah. members. What have you been telling your members? What should people prepare for right now?
1: I I believe right now is a great opportunity to get into real estate because the, the there's going to be a lot of motivation, right? But who's going to pay you when you have that motivation? Your buyers. I think it's. Still good to be in this game. You just you got to be around who has the money. So that's what I'm telling everyone: is if you're just gonna go out and pull a list of ten thousand people, cold call them, hope you find somebody, and you don't know who's gonna buy it, that's a waste of your time.
0: Yeah, like a year ago, we flip we flip houses as well. One of the one of our houses we we put on the market, and it got within a week's time. The market was really hot. and We had a hundred people walk through. It was crazy multiple offers. It was insane. We sold one. We just closed on it yesterday and we only had three couples walk through and we still got full price offer, but it's becoming very selective now. It's it's just such a different, it's just such a different op.
1: Yeah. And flippers, they're not going to take a deal unless it's a deal. They're not going to mess around right now. Flippers that I'm working with, they want, they're saying, Hey, 15% less in six months than what the ARV is now to be safe. So I believe that wholesaling will always be around as long as you find a deal. That's it. It's not like people are going to stop buying real estate. You just got to buy it at the right price. So what are some of the
0: strategies or tactics that you've learned through John and a few of these other sources that have been your biggest surprise or your biggest money maker? you will, will to get people into that realistic mindset when they're you're getting it under contract.
1: It's a good question. I usually, John teaches this, and you, he says, put, "Go to the no, push them to go to the no." Where it's like you say, you basically, say, "Hey, I'm not sure if this is your best option." You're honestly like taking it off the table. It's like when you ask a girl out on a date, which I didn't know the skill set until now, but it's, "Hey, you're probably busy. I, you probably don't have time to go out with me t- this Friday." Then instead of you being like, "Hey, love to take you out. I'm, I've been, wa- I'm obsessed with you." It, they're, you're not so needy. And it's the same thing with the sellers. If you're just like, hey, you know what? This is a great house. Are you sure you want to sell it? No, I do. If it looks good. You probably should just list this thing. I don't want to list it. I don't want to have to sit it on the market. Okay. You're probably not going to like my offer. So the whole time I'm making them feel like I'm not their best right. option, but I am an option. So that's the biggest surprise to me. And that's how I do it. I even do it with the coaching. It's, hey, if someone wants to ask me for coaching, I say, Hey, you know what? It sounds like, you know, a lot about this. You, do you even need a mentor? No, I do. Or I don't. And then that way, if they sign up for me, it's, I never feel like I've just convinced. I, I hate the convincing thing. Like it's really yeah. changed my mind where I, if you don't want to work with me, I don't want to work with you. It's okay. There's more people out there. Yeah.
0: Isn't it amazing though, when you switch that strategy, I found that I get far more free information from the seller than I ever did before, because as soon as you start pushing away and and it's almost like at that point, they're convincing you of why they, why you need to put it under contract.
1: Yeah. And that skill set is going to have to be so prevalent. So like right now, you're going to have to be the reluctant buyer because that's how flippers are. now. They're very reluctant. You're almost going to have to bring them a deal on a silver platter for it to make sense.
0: I can't agree more. Really appreciate you bringing that stuff up. I one last time I'm just going to point everybody investorthrive.com but Nathan I warned you I had some rapid fire questions that I was going to throw at you Bring them on I'm ready Okay here is your chance to bust a real estate investing myth that okay. is out there What is one that you want to bust It's it gets a get rich quick scheme right
1: No yeah that's a complete myth man I've this is probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life It's there's ups and downs, there's sellers trying to back out. You can't be prepared for this. If you're, if you don't, that's why I teach like the first thing on the mind map I was telling you about. The first thing is mindset. If You don't have the right mindset. You better not even try this.
0: Yeah. And I, it's one of those things and I'm sure people are tired of hearing it for me is that it isn't as easy as HGTV paints it. Not at all. And it usually surprised people. At one point when I was doing wholesaling hardcore, I had a piece of paper and I gave myself points. So like a phone call was one point. Mailings, I'd have to send out like a hundred pieces to earn one point. In the end, I needed to hit a hundred points in a day just to make sure I had enough activity going on a daily basis to make sure the pipeline stayed full.
1: A hundred percent. So this is the thing, like a lot of people think they can get into, they can, they tell me, Hey, I'm going to leave my job so I can get into real estate and have a passive. I'm like, Hey, real wholesaling is not, if you want to get a wholesale, that is not passive. That is the opposite of passive. That is nothing but grinding, but it, it does teach you how to get into real estate, get into deals and you can move on to passive things. But it's, I think it's, if people believe it's just something they can get into and it's very it's like a business where they can hire some VAs and they'll just bring them deals consistently. It ain't, you got to be in it.
0: I'm about to ask you for your favorite book, but you're, I've already pulled off the shelf, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and Think and Grow Rich. You're not allowed to say those. So what are you That's reading right. today or what's your favorite book?
1: I really like The "Slide Edge, if you've ever heard of that book. Uh, the reason why I enjoy that book so much, you got it right there?
0: Yeah, I got it sitting back there.
1: The reason why I enjoy that book so much is because it teaches you it's the small and simple things that make something great. And that's something that I've tried to do since I got into this is how can I do, what are those small things I can do daily to master wholesaling, master myself? And that's the philosophy I have is do the thing, have the power. This is, just, you just got to do it. I think there's a lot of people who wonder why they're not successful in real estate wholesaling. You're probably not doing enough. You're probably not taking those actions daily.
0: Right. What is the biggest real estate investing mistake you've made? And what did you learn from it?
1: I bought a house in California without, and I was in Utah without, it was without checking if there was anyone living in it. So there was a squatter in there after I closed. They didn't really tell us. So I closed, I tried to wholesale it or sell, not wholesale, it. I owned it at that point. So I tried to sell it and someone's, like, I am buying that with that squatter in there. So I was stuck with a property with a squatter in there. And we reached out to the squatter. We had one of our boots on the ground say, hey, you need to leave. He said, the squatter said, no, give me $3,000 or $2,500 and 30 days to vacate. And I'll think about it. It wasn't even like, I'll leave. He (laughs) said, give me that money. And I'll think about it. So I wasn't going to let my money get tied up by that, that situation. So I flew out there with my business partner at the time and we got him out. We kicked him out and it got all, there was a big fiasco, like a big hassle. We went there, and there there was a large gate about fourteen feet high, so the cops wouldn't jump over it. So we, when we went there, the gate was locked shut; they had locked themselves in it. So we cut we we hired a locksmith, cut the gate, opened it up, and we were like, "Hey, time to get out." We we told you, we told you to get out, but you didn't. The girlfriend was at the house, and the guy was working; he had a job. He just liked to live in a vacant home. And by the way, this home was not this was terrible this home it wasn't even a home it was like a shack so we got her out and while we got her out she called him he comes back with his boss that hires him and lets him live in this vacant home and the boss is you can't kick him out of here this is his home he's been maintaining it. he's got squatters rights so i didn't know anything about squatters rights i was just like get out of my house So the cops came, the boss called the cops on me for kicking a guy out of a house that I own. And the cop was like, hey, don't worry, we're going to be able to get him out. They called code violation and they got them out because there there was no running water. There was no electricity. You can't live in a home that's, I guess it's condemned, right? So that's how we got it out. But that was a big mistake. It could have gone either way. The cop could have been like one of those people that just, whatever you want to call it, just been like all about the rights of that guy. And uh, I just couldn't believe that the boss was trying to keep his employee in a vacant home when it's, hey, man, how about you pay your guy a couple of dollars more so he can afford an apartment? But uh, that's Hmm. just, it was a bad mistake. What did I learn from it? Don't buy a house with a squatter.
0: Yeah, I've had that running as well, but in Indianapolis. And that was, that wasn't fun. And it's not,
1: you know, and it's crazy. It's crazy that you even have how someone that has no rights to a property can go just sleep in it and you got to go through an eviction or go through some stupid process. It doesn't even make sense.
0: And how quick it got occupied that way. It was because it was like between tenants.
1: It's crazy.
0: So if you could go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be?
1: I would have probably started getting in the room with more higher level people sooner. I, when I started doing coaching, I just went to a mentor, right? Like I would just go to someone that would give me education and teach me, which is good. That's, I think it's important, but I think what's helped me the most is masterminds and being around people who are in either have been in your situation and want to help you. That's what's helped me out like thousand percent get in masterminds. If you're the stupidest person in the room, you're in the right place. That's what I would have done.
0: Yeah, that and that's a mindset shift as well, because everybody's watching those pennies, especially early on. And it's just so hard to pull that trigger and to see that the value that it actually provides.
1: Yeah, I know. Because I, I pretty much charge pennies for my coaching and people are like, I don't know. It's like this. Hey, this has nothing to do with value. This is a mindset issue you have where you don't believe in yourself enough to pay 2, $2, $2. a month. That's nothing in this industry.
0: Okay. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Go back in into your vault of all your tips and tricks and strategies. I need you to give everybody one tip or strategy in 60 seconds or less that they can implement right now.
1: To get into wholesaling?
0: Anything regarding real estate investing or wholesaling.
1: So one of the biggest tips that I would say is put yourself out there. I think one of the superpowers that I have, and I think everyone should apply is, if you don't feel like you're at a position to reach out to someone for help, get over it. If you reach out to me and ask for help, I'm going to help you. I'm going to push push you in point pu- point you in the right posi- I guess direction. People are willing to do that. If so, if you know somebody or admire someone, reach out to them. I the other day I reached out to Alex Hermosi, the guy who has a YouTube channel, very smart, like awesome sales guy. Is he going to respond to me? I have no idea. But I tried. And then another one I tried is. I wanted to get Alex Volkanovsky. I'm a UFC fan and he's from Australia. I'm like, Hey, I'd love to have that guy. on sorry, my podcast. He's awesome. Do so you respond? No, but I try these things because if it works great and if not, Oh, nope, I'm trying. So put yourself yeah. out there, believe in yourself, go for it.
0: I have, I've managed to get Seth Godin and Mike Michalowicz and some of these authors that I would have never thought would come on my show, sh- shot them an email and, they actually responded and said yeah, I'll come on. It's amazing, you know, it's, isn't it? It's amazing. What the heck? Okay. <laughs> it's that exactly. Aladdin effect. Have you ever you read that book, The Aladdin Effect? Uh-uh,
1: no, but tell me yeah.
0: about it. It's the whole premise is that just ask. It there's a strong chance you're going to get a no, but you're in the, it'd be essentially you're in the same situation as you are now, so you might as well ask.
1: I agree. I agree. So to
0: get, to to exercise that muscle, I've started to even ask for little extra accommodations or something. Every time I check into a hotel or i just, you wouldn't be able to upgrade us to yeah. this. I'd say half the time they'll put us in a nicer room or and no additional cost. It was just, just asking for it.
1: Yeah. Like Chris Voss, if you've read never split the difference, he says to do that exact same thing. Hey, what's the Chris discount. That's what he says. What's the, Hey, do you have a Nathan discount or whatever you want to say? Pe- people might, they, you just got to ask who knows what you're going to get. And, We might as well try. So again, it
0: is InvestorThrive.com. Check out Nathan's work there as well as his mentorship, his YouTube channel, his podcast. Everything's going to be found at that site. I'll make sure to have that link as a clickable link in the show notes. But before I let you go, Nathan, is there a question or concept you wish we would have covered here today?
1: I think we did a pretty good job on going. I just want to let people know that if they feel like they don't have what it takes, then that's... they then get that out of your their mind, right? Everybody can do what I'm doing. I'm nothing special. I just wake up every morning and I take action, and that's the only thing that separates me from probably someone that isn't where they want to be is I can I go do it. And that's what it takes is action. So if you're thinking about doing it, just do it, even if you fail. That's what I what's what I got to say.
0: I appreciate it, Nathan. And uh, you're welcome back anytime. I hope you'll take me up on that.
1: Yeah, no, I really appreciate it. And I think maybe 6 months down the road, a couple months and I'll be, I'll be up a little bit further in along the journey. I'd love to chat with you about it again.
0: Yeah, that'd be awesome. We'll talk to you soon. Have you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.